up, wrestling fans? It is time for part two of this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, the only pro wrestling show that calls it right down the middle. Of course, you already know, it's better known as 607 TWS. Sorry if this intro sounds a little weird. It is currently 12.22 a.m. on the East Coast. Happy Memorial Day, by the way, because it is officially uh, Monday the 29th of May, which is Memorial Day here in the United States. But yes, it's a late night, and we're here. Of course, we are in the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host here at 607TWS. And I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair like he does each and every episode of 607TWS. But you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some AEW, shall we? Yes, we shall. And uh, like I said... uh in that beginning, it wasn't that it was bad. I'm just all over the place. I'm not in my normal space because I am, we're not joking. It's 12, 22 a.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern Standard Time. It is officially Monday the 29th. Happy Memorial Day here in the States. Hopefully people are getting up when they listen to this because we're going to put it up literally right after we're done recording. Yes. Because why else not do it? And then I can finally go to bed. So hopefully you guys can listen to it while you're barbecuing or before you're barbecuing if you're in the States. If you're an international listener, you can listen to it at your leisure. But we promised you a second part, and of course, this is only going to be covering AEW's Double or Nothing 2023, because that show has just ended, well, it's a, ended a little bit ago. We had to get our bearings. We had to get over to the 8122 Production Studios, because we couldn't use the ODPH Studios, because, you know, it's a holiday and family's in town. Mm-hmm. And then, so, you know, if you know anything about us, it's all about Family. family. So with that being said, though, uh, we came over here. So if that's the only difference, fresh on the mind, you're going to get our fresh takes yes. right as they happen just for you. We did this all for you, the listeners. Before we get dive into it, though, Ken M, tell the fine folks how to find yourself and the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. Check out the T Public Store. Currently a sale going on, pending on when you hear this. So definitely make sure you check the link out and go get some ODPH swag for the summer. Uh, check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all the amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month. The blog section, the directory, which has... All our providers on it, the friends of the show, can be found on the classified section, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, the music section. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And if you're trying to find me, go to 3FNpodcast.com. All of the social media links are there. RT Public link is there. The link to Patreon is there. Patreon.com slash 3FNpodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content. And you help support the shows. Also, while you're there, visit the sections. You can stream and check out everything to do with the 3FN podcast, 607TWS. And, of course, friends of the show like the ODPH. You can stream them all from there and get all the information. Go over to odphpodcast.com and all that great stuff. Also, while you're there, check out the musical directory where the bands who allow us to use their music copyright free so we don't get those dreaded DMCAs are listed. And a big shout out, of course, to Floodlands, whose song Ruins is the opening theme song you hear each and every week for. 607 TWS and another shout out to our good friends over at Second Suitor whose song One Winged Angel is the song we go out every week to so thank you so much to them and all the other great bands in the musical directory make sure you follow all of those great bands on YouTube Music, Spotify and Bandcamp they support us 
so you should support them. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, there's the sponsor se- sponsor section of the show. And if you want to be a sponsor, you can reach out to us at Contact Us and find out how that can happen. But uh, we have such great sponsors as W Energy. We have uh, our good friends over at Sci-Fi Horrorfest, SciFiHorrorFest.com. And we have our good friends at Rex to Rods Auto Detailing. But most importantly, we have our number one sponsor for 607TWS and the 3FN Podcast. And that is our good friends at Dragon Master Games for all of your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. Well, there's the business that we had to get out of the way, Ken M. And uh, I know I need to get you a little excited. Mm-hmm. So check out the watch because I believe it's time! That's right. It's time to kick off the one and only segment on the special part two of 607TWS covering all elite wrestling's double or nothing 2023 this is the fifth and this is the fifth installment i should say uh, technically fifth annual mm-hmm. double or nothing of course four full years of the elite the the, the elite. elite and uh so it, was, it should have been a great coming out celebration uh, let me throw this out there before we dive too much into it this was a big huge week of wrestling yes and you know on the other show we went over two hours talking about how great impact wrestling's under siege was how great game changer wrestling's lifestyle was of course wwe night of champions and we didn't even get an opportunity to watch nxt's battleground jet we're gonna watch that later on i might do a special thing and throw out a bonus for you guys just for my living room after i see it uh, if i have time tomorrow on memorial day to watch the show and review it and kind of just get you some thoughts out there for that show i did hear from our good friend walt who was mm-hmm. watching that show at you know he was watching the show while we were watching double or nothing and uh making sure that i was up to date he said it was a very good show and i usually agree with walt so i can't wait to see it for myself With that being said, I'm not here to compare shows. Right. We call it right down the middle. No matter what anybody thinks about anything that gets said, and I hate that I have to preface this because we live in such a world where people are tribalistic and people are like, I got to go for my team and I got to go hard for my team. And here's the thing. Most wrestling fans aren't on a team. Most wrestling fans aren't on team WWE. They're not on team AEW. They're on just, we want to watch good wrestling. And that's what we represent here. And that's what we try to do. And when we point out things that are bad about companies like AEW or WWE or anybody else, or even when we praise them for the things that are good, it is from the pure specter of being a fan of pro wrestling and wanting to see the very best show we can see. Uh, Is that correct? Absolutely. Also, I mix in there the fact that I worked in the wrestling business for 10 years. I have booked wrestling shows. I have done a lot of jobs in wrestling, but I have been a booker. Mm -hmm. So I understand what goes into booking wrestling. And I understand if somebody would say, but you don't understand what goes into booking a bigger show. Listen, booking is booking is booking. And I could could argue all day and we could maybe someday I will uh, bring this up. It's not even argue, but maybe one day I can bring up how actually booking in the indies a lot harder than booking for a contracted company. Because here's the thing. If I'm booking for AEW or WWE, I know whose contracts are there. I know that this guy is going to be at the next show. I understand that barring injury or some freak of freak of God accident, you know what I mean? I'm going to have the tools being the wrestlers that I'm going to have. So when I'm booking a show, I know I have them in. When you're booking the indies, you're, you have your usually your local crew. You usually have the guys you pr- try to bring in every month that might not be completely local, but somewhere close. Mm. And then you have the guys you're bringing in. And a million things can happen. 
a million things. Yeah. Somebody could uh, d- dip out of the show early. Somebody not, might not make it the day of the show. So it's an ever-changing, evolving show, and you just have to learn how to roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. To you know, so it, it there is a lot of similarities, and I would also say that booking in the indies is a lot harder. Yes, I understand TV and TV pressures and, and selling to ad. That's a whole other ball game. But as far as the booking itself, so yes, I do understand. So that is where everything comes from. The only reason I preface this is these are our opinions. And if you loved the show or if you hated the show or whatever in between, that's your opinion. And we'll always have good conversations with people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're working on some big things for 607 TWS, I can say, behind the scenes. Cannot reveal them yet. But we are working on some big things. So in that meantime, that is going to lead to more interaction with you and some other great things. But I just wanted to get that clear. I'm done dealing with the tribalistic shit. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. You go hard for your team. I'm a sports fan. Me and Ken are unapologetically New York Ranger fans. Yes. (laughs) And we're very hardcore New York Ranger fans. And if it ain't the blue shirts, it ain't nothing. Yeah, that's why you never hear it mentioned on the ODPH. Exactly. There's a reason why we don't gush about it. And I get so I get diehard fandom. Mm -hmm. I'm a diehard New York Yankees fan. Although I'm not as toxic as most Yankee fans. You Same. Can, not not yeah. as you as either. I am a diehard. Well, I shouldn't. I, I have to learn how to not be a diehard Raiders fan because that's just letting you down. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've now adapted to becoming a New York Knicks fan, which is also a level of self-loathing. But there's some awesomeness to it as well. Because at least you know you're not front running. This is true. <laughs> but but my thing of the matter is when I'm saying this is I understand fandoms. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I get it. I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not a toxic Star Wars fan. I don't think there's anything that I'm toxic about. The closest I probably come is I get real, real uh, prickly, if you will, in hockey postseason with the Rangers. Yes. I, 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 if you're a fan of the team that's going against the Rangers, don't talk to me for a, a few days. That's Same. Probably, yeah. That's probably the closest I get into any fandom of being like completely. Our our chats will never make the light of day for the amount of stuff that gets said on game day. Yeah, it's crazy. But, yeah. So I so I do understand it. Don't get me fucking wrong. I understand it. I just say we need to live in a world where things are better, and you can't just be like, I well, I I, I have to take the line of the show. If I like the show, it's irrelevant because I think that that's what happens. So that that means when people give their actual opinions on it, and not the opinions that they're paid for, or the opinions that they have to get. And by the way, paid for doesn't mean money. Because that's why I love when that's the skirting that certain mm-hmm. people give. Because I don't get paid. Nobody, Tony Khan doesn't give me money. You know, uh, Paul Levesque and Nick Khan don't give me money. No, 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 no. They don't give you money. They give you access. Yeah. Access is power, which creates money when you charge people to get that access. You see what I mean, Jelly mm-hmm. Bean? That's what I forewarn you guys about. You know, it is it is what it is. So you're not getting that here. You're not getting the bullshit and the gossip. Sometimes we weigh in on it, but we tell you it's bullshit and gossip, and we're just weighing in on it. In the case of what we're going to do here with reviewing a show, and just like with the other reviews we did, and this is the only reason, it's not anything on AEW. This is all because of all of the things we do when we review or preview shows. This is our opinions. This is our thoughts and opinions, and they come right down to, I watch wrestling the same way for every company. Mm-hmm. I have a standard that I look for. There is understandment, because obviously I understand a thing like Game Changer Wrestling isn't going to have the budget for production that AEW and WWE have. Right. That's just not going to happen. Even Impact is not going to have as big of a budget as those two places either. So you got to be like, well, they don't have pyro. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. the pyro budget is probably non-existent. And that's fine. I get it. Whatever. So we can't judge it there. But there's other things that we judge. So let's dive in, Ken, shall we? I just wanted to preface that. Is there anything you wanted to add real quick to that? 
No, I mean, one thing that this show has always done, and even when we've talked about wrestling on ODPH, we've always called it right down the middle. We've always given the honest opinions, and we understand that people are, are you know, really involved in these organizations. And listen, if you want to go hard for your team, that's cool. But we always have those respectable conversations, and whenever you hear a take on here, you're getting the 100% honest opinion. So that being said, if you can't deal with that, I guess it's a time to duck out, but if you've been listening this long, you know what we're about, and you know we're going to give you the 100% honest, real take. No BS behind it. Like I said, I'm not going to compare shows because everybody is different. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go by what I, I think. There is going to be some mentions, though, just because there was scuttlebutt on the internet as normal. Yep. The bad faith dealers is what I like to call them now in the IWC. And you kind of have to be like, and, and it's going to prove a point here in a second because I keep saying, I said it on the last show and I've said it before. You can't continue to put a mirror up to something and expect it to and look at the mirror and then it's, it's the same same mm-hmm. and not expect it to get called back. Yeah. And that's all you guys are doing when you fight on the internet. Ooh, Sabu came in and he is, he's a racist. Oh, well, yeah, he might be a racist, but Vince McMahon is a terrible womanizer. It, you see how that's weird? Mm-hmm. Like, both are bad. <laughs> like, you can't argue that one's better than the other. They're both terrible. Right. So, like, don't 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 use that argument. You know, and it's the same thing, like we said, when people were like, oh, and Diane Rio was such a short match. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, let's talk about AEW, a double or nothing, uh, getting the disclaimers out of the way. Uh, went down, of course, just literally, uh, when we're recording, I think that it ended less than an hour ago. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, it was May 28th. Uh, from Paradise, Nevada, check that, Las Vegas, Nevada, but technically the T-Mobile Center is in Paradise, Nevada, but it's uh, Las Vegas, from the T-Mobile Arena. Uh, first and foremost, I'm not going to dive into the weeds with the people. I Their pictures are out there of the attendance. Uh, the house was looking light, brother. That's not my issue because that's not what matters to me as a wrestling fan. If you want to dive into those pissing contests, I'm sure that a whole bunch of people will be diving into that Mm -hmm. on either side, and you guys can fight over that. But uh, I've seen the pictures. I've gotten firsthand responses from people I know that were in the venue. Right. So I don't need to guess or anything else because I've got firsthand knowledge from people I trust and not sources that you find. They don't work for any outlets. They're fucking fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, So therefore, I kind of understand what's going on. It is what it is. I'm not going to bitch about it. it. It is what it is. They had a show, though. And that's all I care about is they had a show. So we're not talking about ticket sales. We're not talking about how many people were in the arena. Just got to knock that out of the way up front. Let's talk about what went down on the buy-in, though. First up, there was a match on the buy-in. A six-man tag team extravaganza. Where if the Hardys and Hook won, Matt Hardy would take ownership of Ethan Page's contract, and at the end of the day, the Hardys, Jeff and Matt, with Hook, defeated Ethan Page and the Guns via submission, 15 minutes, 10 seconds. This is a fun little match. It wasn't anything really to write home about. Uh, You know, there was a few botches from Jeff Hardy. I know some people are claiming that it was like a magnificent sell job. No, 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 no. They were botches. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You got to remember, he's a a 45-year-old man, and he's put his body through hell uh, for for us and for our entertainment. So, therefore, he's allowed to mess up sometimes. But overall, I thought this was a fun match. I still don't like this whole contracts on the line and the fact that we've seen Matt Hardy and Ethan Page in this never-ending program for no reason, and it's going to continue on. Uh, I did like after the fact, though, that Matt Hardy said, hey, 
you work for me now. So how about you get up and get out of this ring? <laughs> I thought that was fun. Yeah, that's the only thing that really was memorable about this match. Like it, it was a fun and entertaining match, but it's nothing really to write home about. And yeah, Jeff had a couple botches. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, the storyline is hopefully ending soon. I, I know it's now transitioned a little bit, but this has been doing absolutely nothing for me. And the fact that Ethan Page and Matt Hardy have been tangled up in some kind of feud for eight months plus now, as it feels like, mm. it, it's just got to end and they need to find new dance partners. This next part, I'm going to get beat up a little bit on the internet because I didn't catch all of it because I couldn't decipher it. I'm sorry, and I didn't look anything up because, like I said, we're coming fresh. Mm-hmm. I didn't look anything up, so I promise by the next episode of 607 TWS, I will know more about the format of the Owen Hart tournament, or tournaments, I should say, because there's a men's and women's, mm-hmm. uh, because we got Dr. Martha Hart out there announcing the official kickoff of the Owen Hart tournaments, which they did not happen tonight, just the announcement, uh, and... Nothing against the woman. Very smart. Love her husband. Respect everything in the business. However, I'm not sure if she's like the most comfortable in public speaking. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because she bounced all over the place. Yeah. She talked a lot about wearing hats and dresses. And I heard something about Forbidden Door in the Owen Hart stuff. And then I heard that uh, AEW was going to be part of the Calgary Stampede this year. It sounded like the finals were going to be going to be held at the Calgary Stampede. And I think it was kicking off at Forbidden Door. Yes. I could be wrong. Uh, once again, nothing against the woman. I'm not making fun of her. And I don't want anybody to ever think that. I'm just saying I I don't think she's comfortable in those positions. And I get it. That's a, that's a big atmosphere to be in. Although I will say this. When she said that uh, people should dress a little gangster and Tony Khan came out in a fucking fedora. I just wanted, I, I, first of all, I don't think Tony wanted to be out there in a fedora because the look on his face and he, he did the Michael Jackson pull the hat over his eyes. Yeah. I, I, I felt a little bad for Tony, but I understand he's a good champ about it. And, uh, you know, hey, if it's for charity, I have nothing but respect for him doing it. But I don't know if he was real comfortable because I've never really seen him in hats. Yeah, that was a different, that whole segment was just a little different. Uh, but especially Tony rocking the hat. That was, yeah. But uh, the Owen Foundation is something uh, cool to spot, uh, to go and uh, donate to. So I, I'd tell everybody to go to the website, check out the Owen Hart Foundation. Uh, go ahead and support it. Support it during the tournament. I do love that AEW does this and has teamed up with the Owen Hart Foundation to uh, you know get some sc- good scholarships and stuff out there. They do a lot of great works. It's not just scholarships. They build different things with schools and upgrade things. They do a ton of great work. Check it out online if you want to donate some money. Go ahead and give them some donations. I know that stuff will be flashing up during the Owen Hart uh, uh, tournaments. Mm -hmm. So check that out. And we'll get more news for that when I get to actually read it. But I do believe it sounded like it was starting at Forbidden Door and ending at the Calgary Stampede. But we'll get back to you next week's episode of 607 TWS, I promise. Once again, we are doing this literally pretty much after we didn't really look it up. And I do apologize for that. And it was a little confusing at the time. So I will make sure and double check for all you fine folks. And if somebody wants to hit us up with the comments or uh, hit us up on Twitter and just throw it out there very respectfully because it's not like we did it on purpose or DM us and let us know what it was, just go ahead and do that as well. I just, like I said, I was kind of confused and I get it. I I don't feel like she's a great... You know, gigantic. I'm sure she's a great public speaker, but there's a difference between being a public speaker and speaking between seven and eleven thousand people somewhere. Yeah, there was no graphic for it, so if AEW Press wants to send that to us, I mean, obviously we'll we'll definitely read that on air next week. And we we like to promote these things. Yeah. So let's talk about the start of the actual main card of Double or Nothing. And uh, the last ten minutes, I will. I do want to say this. 
and, and this is a judgment, and this is something that maybe Tony Khan and the fine folks down there can work on. The last 10 minutes of the buy-in was the introduction slash entrances of the 21 participants in the uh, Blackjack Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. The disservice to that is the buy-in should be used to sell pay-per-views. Yeah. So I think that they should have gone and done more of, you know, pep-talking that while it's in the background. They could have had them come out for the audiences. If you want to watch it, have somewhere you could watch it on the YouTube channel or something. But they should have been really rightfully home the reason to spend $50. Because everybody gets the buy-in for free. Mm-hmm. And then you have to pay the $50 here in the States. I know overseas you get to pay cheaper, you lucky sons yeah. of bitches. So, with that being said, that's my just little side note. But the buy-in is there to sell pay-per-views, guys. Let's hammer it home. Mm-hmm. So, up we got the 21-man Blackjack Battle Royale for the AEW International Championship. This match got 22 minutes and 25 seconds at the end of the day. Orange Cassidy is still your AEW International Champion, which I'm very excited about. Uh, it was an interesting Final Four, though. In the Final Four, we had Penta, yep. Big Bill, mm-hmm. Swerve, mm-hmm. and Orange Cassidy. Yeah. That was an interesting, and it came down to Swerve and Orange Cassidy, and I did like the finish. It was unique, but this is what we expect from Orange Cassidy. Right. I, I liked it. As as I've said on the show many times, Orange fights everyone, and this was a great showing for him, and the, the match itself was a little confusing because mm-hmm. there, there was the one spot where Commander jumped outside the ring onto everybody on the he floor. He springboarded uh, from one. He springboarded off the top rope to the floor. But it wasn't considered an elimination. I'm not sure why. Yeah, that was one part that was a little confusing. They did the uh, vertical suplex in the middle of the ring and uh, with Bandito holding up Tony Nese, and everybody was fighting. Oh, and all the luchadors were fighting yeah. people off though for him to hold that suplex, which was odd. Yeah, kind of a very yeah odd spot. But when it came down to Swerve and Orange Cassidy, they had great back and forth. The, the crowd was into it a little bit, uh, which is not on the wrestler's aspect. I want to point that out, too, because the crowd all night was... We'll get into it as we progress through this. Actually, let's just jump into it now so we can get out of the way. The crowd was dead. Yeah. And and I don't know if it was on the wrestling because, yeah, sure, you're going to hear us talk about some of the matches weren't as exciting, but at the same point in juncture, how much of that was based off of them trying to go with the crowd? And now we've heard mixed reports, for, but for every person who says that, oh, no, it was super loud here live, there's two people that were like, no. And somebody that we both know mm-hmm. uh, who was at the show had put out a message and then I messaged them and they messaged me back and their message was it is in sections. Certain sections, especially in the 100s levels, were super loud and others were sitting on their hands. And they said that the floor was pretty damn quiet. Yeah. And that's just coming from somebody I trust and somebody who loves AEW Mm -hmm. and was definitely in a loud section because I know that she said she was. Yeah. So, therefore, I'm pretty confident that that's the real case. And once again, that is a problem in Las Vegas. Mm Mm-hmm. And that has been a problem that they've had in Las Vegas on other shows. If you remember when they did Money in the Bank in Las Vegas, A, they couldn't sell enough for uh, the original, which was Allegiant Stadium, which probably doomed Las Vegas in getting a WrestleMania. Right. Because think about it. That was the alleged place of WrestleMania 40. Then all of a sudden, Philadelphia became available. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do believe that the last couple times I've seen Raw or SmackDown at the T-Mobile, it's been lackluster from the crowd. Now, I think also think that we're a little spoiled. Because lately we've been seeing these amazing crowds in Puerto Rico, Saudi Arabia. I'm sure the London crowd's going to be huge. And there's also this fervency in WWE right now. 
and even in the states. But I don't think it's as loud in the states as it's been in Puerto Rico or Saudi Arabia recently. Right. No, there there's been a definite a definite level of excitement difference in yeah. between the crowds. And I also want to point this out. No, it's not people pumping in sounds. I I, I know that that. <laughs> It's just so funny to me. But anyways, I digress. Just give it the eye test or the ear test and you'll find out. Uh, Because if you see people cheering and you hear people cheering, it's usually the same. Mm. Usually you can tell if it's fake because there's nobody making a reaction. And, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Where the fuck is that from? Not saying that they weren't guilty of it in the past. I'm just saying there's sometimes I don't think Saudi Arabia needed pumped in noise. Right. Uh, So let's move forward uh, from that. Uh, This match, like I said, I'm going to agree with I'm going to agree with Sean Ross Sapp. Ooh. Look at that. Sean Ross Sapp tweeted out. I'm paraphrasing because I'm not going to pull up the tweet. He said that uh, it, the middle of the, the the end of this match was fantastic mm-hmm. and great, uh, great original finish. And the middle of this match wasn't for me. And that's how I looked at it. I don't know. I just didn't. It, Battle Royals are hit and miss for me. And this one during the meat and potatoes of it was was miss. A lot of the camera shots too were missed. Yeah, this. you know, they kept going off of the wrong shot. They would be on a shot of somebody getting eliminated and then they'd switch the camera before the elimination happened. I it's there's gotta be somebody they, they gotta do a little better in the switcher. And we're gonna talk about that later, especially during the main event. Yeah. The main event it was brutally noticeable. Yeah. But it happened also here. But the the other thing is it, I don't know, there's just like you said, there was just too much going on. And it looked like too many chefs in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it worked out. But I will say this. The end of the match was very entertaining. Yes. And it was original because we thought we were getting the orange punch. And instead, no, we just got a little kick to the arms and swerve felt. Yeah. <laughs> they, I thought it was great. That's right in the wheelhouse of, of Orange Cassidy. Exactly. Like Cassidy's story right now is the best in AEW. But it's light years ahead of everybody else. He's been the fighting champion against everybody. And he stays in the character of doing absolutely the bare minimum to win. But it's working. And this was a great back and forth on him and Swerve. I also think 22 minutes and 25 seconds is a little long for a battle royal at the beginning of the show. Yeah, true. Especially because we kind of like... Well, we had the buy-in time, too. If you... Well, yeah, well, that no, the 22 minutes is only the match Right, time. right, but as we're watching, you know, it just took forever to yeah, get yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, so 32 minutes if you count that. But, right. like, the match time itself was 22 minutes. So, like, I'm just saying, I think that it should have been a little shorter because you could have had more, you know, going on. I just think it was too diluted. It, it is what it is. That's just not for me. But once mm-hmm. again, I thought it was a fantastic finish. Uh, next up, we had the unsanctioned match where Sabu was the special guest enforcer. We'll talk about that more in a second. This match got 17 minutes at the end of the day. Adam Cole. Baby. Defeated Chris Jericho via referee stoppage. Let's talk about this match and break this shit down. So the beginning of this match was just a brawl for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roderick Strong and Sabu against the Jericho Appreciation Society. It was pretty entertaining. Although Sabu, fall, it, sorry, it wasn't a jump. He fell off the top rope through, I think, Daddy Magic, who was on the table. And, and I was nervous for Sabu for a minute. And I mean, I'm not a big Sabu fan. We found that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you listen to the other shows, because I have personal reasons that we won't dive into, uh, because I have worked with him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It, it was. I was still nervous for him because I was like, oh shit! I don't think he jumped. He kind of fell, but he just happened to make it through the table. So I think all was good. <laughs> Snoop's frog splash looked a million <laughs> times better. Let's just put it that way. So then the Jericho Association, Jericho Appreciation Society, that only lasted the first three to five minutes of the match. And I was really cool with that. Mm. And then we got a straight match, pretty much between uh, Adam Cole, baby, and Chris Jericho until Britt Baker came out and started caning the living shit out of Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. which I was fine with. A little revenge. Then Soraya came out to try to stop Britt. And she got her ass caned, and then they 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 uh, you know powdered out and off, and uh, that ended up the match ends with uh, Adam Cole, baby, 
uh, wrapping a chain. Well, at one time, they got a chain handcuffed at each end to each other. And at the end of the match, basically, Adam Cole is banging Chris Jericho in the head with the chain wrapped around his fist. A good 10, 15 shots. Mm-hmm. And then the final referee's like, this is over. Uh, my only dr- drastic thing here was, and this is one of those times. This is a great time for blood. Yeah. If somebody is cracking somebody in the head with metal chain. Now, mind you, other things happened during this match that could have warranted blood. But at the end of the match, I think he should have even take either taken the hard way busted open or, you know, get a little color skis because it would have just looked better. I mean, I'm not upset that it's not there because I'm used to no blood, but and a company where bleeding is a thing. Yeah. I don't understand why that part of the match wouldn't have had it. Maybe not have a bloodbath throughout the whole match. But that ending part, especially with a stoppage, should have been handled that way, in my opinion. It absolutely should have had some blood in it. I'm sorry. Like, for as intense as this feud has allegedly been, they needed to demonstrate that. And especially when you have the chains involved, the kendo sticks, you really need to tell that story of how brutal this match is. And this one didn't. I'm sorry. Like, it just kind of felt very tame. Very PG thirteen, if you will, in comparison to what we've seen in the video game and in the in recent Dynamite shows too. And in the main event, yeah, in the main event as well. So I I don't know if they just didn't want to do that spot because it was so early in the card. I don't know, but I think it definitely hurt the match for what it was. This didn't really do anything for me. It was kind of like, you know, we we had an idea this was going to go down like it it went. It just kind of seemed very slow to get there. It is, you know, usually something like this would be the blow off. Of course, it's not. We'll talk about that in a minute because we're going to have a big exposition dump in a minute. Because but before we get there, next up was the tag team match for the AW World Tag Team Championships with Mark Briscoe as your special guest referee. Your champions, the FTR, Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler defending against Jay Lethal and uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett. I almost said Karen Jarrett because they were accompanied by Karen Jarrett, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh. And I just want to put this out. I said during the event, and I'm going to go back to my old ECW heads. This reminds me of like when Simon Diamond used to come out with the entourage. Mm-hmm. You know, you had uh, the guy in the tuxedo, the tall guy in the tuxedo, and then you had uh, the prodigy and prodigat, and you had the musketeer. That is what this reminds me of now with Jarrett and Lethal. That they have this like whirlwind of just fucking a carnival circus following them to the ring. Yeah. They should just put Sanjay in the musketeer suit. Satinum can just wear, he wears suits now, but he just put him in a tux. You can put him on the Ritz. He looks like a Frankenstein anyways. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Karen Jarrett, you know, could be the pride of Jet, I guess. I don't know, but it's fucking weird. Uh, at the end of the day, 20 minutes long, and still your AEW World Tag Team Champions, the FTR, despite all the interference, despite the ref bump for Mark Briscoe, Despite all of it, the FTR comes out on top with an assist from Mark Briscoe because he was getting a brow beating from Jeff Jarrett after Jeff Jarrett hit him with a guitar earlier in the match for the ref bump, mm-hmm. uh, and he uh, slapped him right into the shatter machine. Yeah, this match was pretty much wash, rinse, repeat. I'm sorry. like I, You had an idea what was going to happen, and with Jericho and his entourage – and especially with how delayed they were about getting kicked out of the match until Mark Briscoe. And then they still even get kicked out. Yeah. They didn't leave. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Like, Mark Briscoe started throwing people out, but they still stayed. So it was was like this weird thing happened in there. And then Karen Jarrett got a guitar shot in on Aubrey Edwards, too, as she was trying to come into the ring after Mark Briscoe was taken out, remember? Yes, yeah. So, like like I say, there there, there was just a lot going on with this match that was like, 
okay, if you're trying to really tell a story, it's not working. It's just like... There was no story to be told. Yeah, it was just kind of like, all right, let's just put everybody in the ring and hope something happens. And I want to say up to this point, up to this point, this felt like a dynamite. Yeah. That's going to become a thing uh, because after this match, after the uh, the FTR wins, <laughs> like I said, it's not a spectacular match. It wasn't a bad match, but it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't like, oh, man, this is a great pay-per-view feud. Once again, I stand by my guns, and that's the guns, yeah. and they should have gotten the tag shot because I think there was a better story there, and I think it would have been a better match, and I'll stand by that, and history uh, won't prove me wrong because this match wasn't great. So after the match, though, we go backstage for a backstage segment with Ricky Starks. And Ricky Starks is talking about how he told, said he was going to take out the uh, Bullet Club gold. And he did. He eliminated both members from the match. And, of course, his eyes gave away that he was going to get jumped because he's looking around for the cue. And then he gets jumped by Rakai, Juice Robinson and the Switchblade Jay White. And all of a sudden, the FTR are there to uh, run them off. Yeah. Like, they were literally, like, so they would have had to hustle <laughs> from winning the match and celebrating to get to the back in time to cut this off. Like, it was that quick. And I'm like, wow, that's fucking weird. And I, once again, I'm not. it didn't bother me per se, but I'm like, man, that's some dynamite shit. That's yeah. not a pay-per-view thing. Yeah, the fact that we're having promos like this backstage at, at the pay-per-view in general. Oh, because we get back-to-back promos. Because yeah. right after this is over, there's a little, uh, com- I shouldn't say commercial, because not, a little preview of the next match, which would be the ladder match. And... After the preview for the ladder match, we go back to uh, have to hear from Chris Jericho and Soraya. And Chris Jericho, mind you, this is why, you know, he got his head beat in. The match got stopped. The blood would have helped here. And I obviously, I wouldn't have done this. He's instantly going, well, did you see it out there? Adam Cole's out of control. He's a savage. And we're like, it was an unsanctioned match. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen? You also used weapons. You, you had your whole crew. Like, I'm just like blown that that's the thing. So basically what we get then is that, oh man, we, me and Soraya, we want a match against Britt and Adam Cole this Wednesday on, on Dynamite. I'm like, and this, we're doing this during the fucking pay-per-view? Yeah. You could have saved that for the press conference after, or you could have saved it for whatever. Why is this being done? And we're going to come back to this because it gets better for this one. But I was just kind of like, why are we doing this now? I'm not completely offended by it, but when you have two promo segments back-to-back on a pay-per-view that people in the United States are paying $50 to watch, I understand some people stole it. Probably some people listening to this stole it. Uh, but we didn't because we try to support things. Mm-hmm. So for those of us who paid $50, there's probably a reason why we're also a little more critical about this show. Exactly. When we are purchasing legally... The pay-per-views to watch, it should not feel like I'm watching it like I am on cable. This should feel like big events. Why are we sitting here doing storylines for Wednesday night's show? I'm sorry, there's no time and place for it. Like The fact that we had, and we'll get into the second part of that, uh, a promo putting over a match... For Wednesday, like I don't care about that. I want to see what's going on with this. Like this should have a special feel to it, a big, a big fight feel. And I'm sorry, doing all these stupid promos because they're not doing anything to really move things along. In my opinion, it was just a waste of time. Agreed. Uh, so I already mentioned the next match was the ladder match for the TNT Championship. Your champion, Wardlow, with Arn Anderson in his corner, taking on Christian Cage with Luchasaurus in his corner. Originally, they, they didn't have corners, but that it boiled down to corners. Um, this match got 17 minutes and 10 seconds at the end of the day. And still, your AEW TNT Champion, Wardlow. Here we go. 
here's the trend that I'm going to tell you about. The only difference between this and Dynamite. All of these matches felt like a Dynamite to me. I don't think there was anything. During this match, there's a couple big spots. Mm-hmm. I'll give them credit for that. However, it felt like a Dynamite because I think the matches were going too long. Have you noticed that the matches we've done so far, 22-25 for the Battle Royal, 17 minutes for Cole and Jericho, 20 minutes for FTR and uh, Jared and Lethal, 17 minutes, 10 seconds for Wardlow and Christian Cage. So I think there was a lot of time in the middle of these matches where that's where we were losing our interest. And I think that's where the crowd watching was losing their interest. Mm-hmm. It's not because there wasn't exciting spots that were happening during these matches. I think there was too much filler in the matches. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I would like to get other people's opinions on this as well. If you guys want to send them, I don't, it's not to shit on the company. I just think that we should have shored up and shortened some of these up during this match. At one point though, we get Wardlow getting tapping into his inner Jeff Hardy and Swanton bombing off the top of a ladder that looked to be about 20 feet high Mm. through tables with Luchasaurus on them. That's not even that egregious. I thought it was a good spot. I'm like, I'm wondering why Wardlow's doing it, but that was a good spot. Mm Mm-hmm. Earlier in the match, before that happens, when uh, Luchasaurus gets in, I said Locha, Luchasaurus gets uh, involved. Uh, you got excuse me, I'm tired. Uh, Arn Anderson bites Luchasaurus's thumb, and while he's biting his thumb, you can see the blood packet in Arn's mouth. Yeah. And of course, he bites down on the blood packet, and it looks like you know Luchasaurus's thumb is bleeding, and then there looks like there's blood coming out of uh, Arn's mouth. You could see the blood packet. And I'm like. Why, guys? And I get, and you know what? I'm not saying he should have bit his thumb for real or bladed in his mouth or whatever, but at least keep it hidden or at least pop it in your mouth and do treat it like how you would treat mist and just hold it there until the spot instead of having it there to try to crack while you're biting his th- I, But you could see it. it. Am I wrong? It was a horrible spot. I'm sorry, like even when Arn Anderson, he didn't come out with Wardlow, remember? He just yeah. kind of well, rolled in well, late. He came out he came out on the stage with him and then went to the back. Yeah. Same with Luchasaurus. Because like I said, originally they didn't have corners. And then they both made their way down. Luchasaurus came down and he uh cost Wardlow from getting the uh the the belt. Actually kind of bailed it out because that ladder broke when Wardlow jumped on it and we thought he broke his leg for a minute. Yeah. Uh so he kind of bailed that part of the match out, if you really think about it. And then uh Arn came down. And did what he did, which was obviously planned. And I'm fine with the planning. It's just the execution was poor. Execution was definitely poor on this one because it was telling. Like you said, you could see Arn like his cheeks were all puffed out because he was trying to hold his breath while he had the thing in his but mouth. But on top of that, you could also see the plastic like thing in yeah. his mouth when he put the thumb in his mouth. Yeah. So like it was too big for, you know, to be in his mouth with the thumb. Yeah. There, there was a better ways to do this spot if you really wanted to try doing it. But I mean, this just kind of goes that they were really trying to cram a lot in this match and there wasn't a, a need to do it. Like, I'm sorry, you have a ladder match. You have Warlow who's going to do some crazy power bombs. He's going to do some sentons and like, that's what it's there for. So why are we adding all these extra elements just to, to lengthen this match out? Like it just, you could have been half the time and been told a great story. You could have cut down time on this, and you could have still done the big spots. Obviously, thankfully, Wardlow wasn't injured. He right. did it, it, for a big man, I'd give him all the credit in the world. He sprung. He did a springboard from the ropes onto the ladder. We've seen smaller guys do it. <laughs> he landed on the ladder. The ladder just broke. Yeah. And thankfully, he wasn't injured. We all at first thought the worst because they instantly went and checked him, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they did. But he, he, I think he probably tweaked a little something because you could tell he was kind of like a little discomfort. But yeah. then he shook it off. He was fine. 
Uh, but it still would have looked cool. If it, it looked cool, but it, you know, obviously the ladder broke. Not their fault. Not blaming them for it. the The spot on the la- uh, the spot with the swanton looked cool as shit. <laughs> it's dangerous for a big man to be doing that. I don't want to see Wardlow doing that a lot. But I was fine with it here. And I even dug the end of the match. Arn Anderson, you know, Christian Cage looks like he's going to get the uh, the belt. It looks like it's over. And then Arn is uh, next to the, the ladder. Christian's kind of like, don't do it. And he tips him off the ladder. But when he tips him off the ladder, Wardlow's there, catches him and just power bombs him with a sick power bomb, then climbs the ladder and, and gets retrieves the belt. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was, I thought it was a great finish for yeah. a ladder match. So I'm with you. If they would have cut, you know, 17 minutes, you cut five, six, five, six minutes off this match. And all of a sudden, it becomes, I think, a way better match. Oh, absolutely. There's just they're trying to add too much to it, and it's like, no, keep it simple. Like I don't understand. But then this is a theme you're going to hear throughout this show. Well, here we get into some trouble. <laughs> yes. Next matchup, singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Your champion, Jamie Hader, taking on Tony Storm of the Outcast. This match, listen to it closely. Three minutes, five seconds. Your winner and new AEW Women's World Champion, Tony Storm. So here's the story of the match. We had been hearing rumors, and we talked about it on the first part of this, if you guys have already listened to it. When we did the full, we said, hey, we're going to catch you up and give you one final thing on that first part in the mid card uh, that came out on Saturday, uh, May the, or yeah, Saturday, May the 28th, it came out. And or no, May the 27th. Sorry, I'm a day off. I keep forgetting that uh, we're two days behind because it's one o'clock in the morning now yeah. <laughs> here on the East Coast. So we talked about how there was a possibility that Jamie Hayter was injured mm-hmm. and she was not going to be able to wrestle. And we didn't know what they were going to do. Maybe make it a four way, maybe change something around, whatever, whatever. So, you know, Tony Storm comes out, Jamie Hayter's music hits and nothing. No Jamie Hayter. And we're just like, oh, God, they didn't even think to like do something different. Mm-hmm. So the music hits again. No Jamie, but eventually Jamie gets thrown through the curtain by Soraya and uh, Ruby Soho, Yep, the outcast, and they're beating the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? No, they were absolutely They're attacking the, the arm. They pin the arm up against the steps. Uh, Tony Storm gives it the drop kick into the stairs again. Mm-hmm. They get her in the ring, and you know, to her credit, Jamie Hayter says, yep, I want to wrestle still. So it's pretty much a one-sided match. Jamie does do a couple things. She at one point does hit Hater Age. You're like, oh shit, she might win this match, which I was like, it's a bad idea, especially if she's injured. Mm-hmm. And but it takes until this match is going on for a minute before Britt Baker comes out to fight off Soraya. Yeah, and it takes another minute or so. Mind you, this is a three-minute match. So mind you, the whole beatdown doesn't count towards that three minutes. Mm-hmm. And that beatdown went on for a good three minutes. Two to three minutes, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say easy. So by the time Brick gets to the ring, let's say that they've been beating up. Well, the three of them beat up on her for two to three minutes. And then Tony Storm's beating up on her. And then Soraya's cutting the, uh, po- the the pads off the turnbuckles. And before finally, uh, Britt Baker comes out to save her friend. Yeah. Why did it take so long? And then a minute after that, well, Ruby Soho sprays sprays Jamie Hayter in the face with the spray paint. And then finally, Sheeta comes out yeah. and runs off Tony Storm. Why did it take so long for her backup to get there? I understand we're telling a story about uh, Jamie Hayter being a warrior, but I don't even think that story needs to be told. No, there's no point to it. Like, the whole booking of this match was just absurd, in my opinion. And especially the fact that you had the outcast beating the holy snot out of Hater for the first two minutes of this, and then Britt Baker comes running down. Mind you, she came running down during the Adam Cole match. So 
you know, why was there such a delay here? It didn't make any sense. And then when Sheeta came out, it was like too little, too late. So it didn't do anything to progress that story. Yeah. It, I don't know. I was. I, it just threw me off. Congratulations to Tony Storm. Hopefully, Jamie Hayter gets better soon because I'm assuming she really is injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I thought it was a mess. I just thought it could have been booked way better. Way better. If you're going to book a squash, book a squash. Yeah. Have her get beat down and then Tony Storm squashes her. And that's it because this was just an extended squash. Yeah. And it also made it look like Jamie Hayter doesn't have friends because her friends, if that's your friends and they're, you ain't, they ain't catching your back for a hot minute. Yeah. Yikes. Next up, we had the open house rules six man tag team trio with the world trios titles online. I love how they still call it a six man tag team, even though it's the trio. So we should just set a trios match. Mm. This was an open challenge, remember? Who would answer the challenge of the House of Black, Ken M? The acclaimed. That's right. The acclaimed and daddy ass answered the challenge for the trio's titles. Uh, the rap was a little lackluster, except for a really great line uh, where uh, I do believe I'm paraphrasing because I, I I did write it to our good friend Walt, but uh, he said something to the extent of uh, Buddy Matthews, how does it feel to be cucked by a, uh, by a guy named Dominic? Yeah. I thought that was a great line. Mm, that was that was the best part of the <laughs> Outside rap. Outside of that, they yeah, there's you call yourself the House of Black, and there's no black guys in the group. Uh, you're wearing blackface, which I'm gonna, we're going to talk about that later too. Yeah, and a whole other thing. Yeah. But anyways, at the end of the day, House of Black defeats the acclaimed thir- 15 minutes 30 seconds to remain your AEW trios champions. This was a good match. It's a it was a kind of paint by numbers match. I wish the crowd was more into this match. Allegedly, people were like they were, but there was certain spots in the match the crowd was into. Also, the crowd, when they were into it, were way more on the side of the House of Black than the Acclaimed. Yeah. That was weird. We're going to talk about that again in the co-main event, if you will. Yeah. In-ring work was fine, but yeah, that crowd reaction was definitely weird. All right, next up, we have our second of two women's division matches, and this one was for the AEW TBS Championship. Your champion, Jade Cargill, defending the title against Taya Valkyrie. And uh, by the way, Jade comes out to the ring to some TikTok song with her uh, her sorority that she was in. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting. I... I didn't dislike it, but I'm also kind of like it was weird. I was so used to her coming out cosplaying. Yeah, that, I know. That, that was different for me. Yeah, this threw me off, but it was still cool, though. Yeah, so this minute match got eight minutes and 50 seconds at the end of the day. Still your TBS champion, Jade Cargill. Once again, why did we do this match if Jade was just going to win? Reasons. We did get the reason in this case why Jade won, because I'm going to talk about it now. However, I still think that this devalues Taya Valkyrie. Oh, absolutely. You brought her in as a big deal. Now she's eaten two pins from the TBS champion. And both clean. This mm-hmm. one's super clean. Mm-hmm. Super clean. As a matter of fact, she hits her with her version of the, the glam slam. Taya Valkyrie, sorry. Pronouns. Uh, Taya Valkyrie hits Jade with her version of the glam slam. And she kicks out of two to then get a pump kick and a glam slam from Jade Cargo, which she does not kick out of. Right. So obviously Jade's is way more dominant. Yeah. But after the match... The, you know, smart Mark gets in the ring and he basically cuts the same promo. We saw him cut on dynamite that got them the match against Ty of Valkyrie mm. and says, Hey, there's nobody left. We're 60 and oh, we've ran through this locker room. There's nobody left for Jade to conquer. She is the champion. If anybody wants this shot at Jade, step up now. We're not even worried about none of you. Mm-hmm. Well, some music hits. And at first we're like, what music is this? But I guess it's the new music of one Chris Statlander who made her return to the ring 
at double or nothing. She hits the ring, and to the credit of Jade, Jade doesn't back down, and we get an impromptu match. And ladies and gentlemen, 48 seconds later, and your new and second only AEW TBS champion, Chris Statlander. Statlander ends up taking the belt in a return 48 seconds. Pretty impressive. I understand Jade had a match before, but 48 seconds, Ken. Yeah. Shocking, to say the least, but awesome to see Statlander come back. Uh, she definitely rose to that occasion, and like I say, it's a huge momentum shift for her and what they were planning on doing with Jade, in my opinion, because I because once we saw her get to 60-0, and 0, it was like, well, when does the streak end? And sure enough, we got it tonight. So the only time, and this is there's only one reason I'm comparing. It's not really a comparison. This is for our stop clock friends, the stopwatch friends that like to stop watch women's wrestling. And this is why I told on the first part not to do it because you might regret it. Mm-hmm. You go to Saudi Arabia where WWE puts on three women's matches. Two had 15 minutes. One was almost two minutes. Mm -hmm. I get it. People bitched about the squash. But together, all three of those matches in Saudi Arabia, notoriously not in favor of women, lasted 32 minutes. Here at Double or Nothing, we had two women's matches plus an impromptu, so we'll not count it as a full match. And at the same time, you had the first match, three minutes and five seconds, which decided a new AEW Women's World Champion, whether she's injured or not, mm. is irrelevant. Right. And then eight minutes and 50 seconds for the first TBS title, plus another 48 seconds. So we'll call that a minute. We'll call it nine minutes. So that's 10 minutes for the TBS match. And we'll call it three minutes for the other match. Mm. So real quick, if we have 10 minutes for the, the, the TNT title, right? Yep. Or TBS title, sorry. And three minutes for the actual women's championship. That would be 13 minutes, correct? Yes. Stopwatch, friends. Are you ready to stop using your stopwatches? <laughs> I'm just saying. And I'm not trying to make a shot at AEW. Because the one match, I understand, is probably because of a real-life injury. Yeah. So we had to do what we had to do out there. You know what I mean? And I get it. I would have handled it slightly different because it did make Jamie look a little weaker. It also did make it look like her friends are the worst thing on the planet. So I don't know if it brings Brit and Sheeta in the greatest of light either. Mm -hmm. So I would have done it slightly different there. And I get the fact that Chris Statlander's back and we want to do a big thing, but you had your champion, your first ever TBS champion, who has been undefeated for a couple years now, who is 60-0 and 0 as of this night, now is 60-1, and 1, and you had that 60-1, and 1, so the one in 60-1, and 1, in 48 seconds that i don't care that she had a nine minute match prior to it that is kind of unacceptable i think that if you're going to say natalia and Rhea was unacceptable you have to say statlander and jade was unacceptable i'd love to hear the spin on this one yeah I, i'm sure the spin would be but you don't understand well i do understand mm-hmm. you had a 60 and O champion who lost in under a minute yeah i get that she wrestled nine minutes but she's 60 and 0. You're telling me she can't wrestle more than nine minutes? Didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. Just saying. So there you go. And that's not to try to, and like I said, I don't want to compare these to me. I'm just pointing out the absurdity. To, so hopefully somebody else that goes, oh, yeah, I like those stopwatch stats when, when the people give them to me. Now I understand that it really is bum fuzzling. <laughs> like, I get it. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. I just don't like it anymore. See, that's why I said don't fucking don't throw rocks at a glass house, man. When yeah. you live in glass house, people in glass house shouldn't throw rocks. That's how you say it. And that's what you have to do in wrestling. Because when you look, when you when you point the accusation at somebody else, you're just pointing it back at you in a goddamn mirror, man. Exactly. And that's what's happened here. 
if none of people would say anything and would have just let it be. And if you're an, if you're an AEW fan and you don't like WWE, stop passing judgments. If you're a WWE fan, you don't like AEW, stop passing judgments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Let's go on the merit of the show. And if you don't like it, why are you wasting your time watching it or and shitting on it? And in most cases, they're not even watching it. They're just shitting on it. Exactly. So just throwing that guys out there. Don't do it. I think that that's the best explanation we've ever gotten. And the weirdest part is I forewarned about it a day before. Yeah. And it came true. <laughs> and I didn't want it to come true, but I said, oh, we'll find out tomorrow. And sure and enough. And sure enough. We got 13 minutes of women's matches compared to 32. But somehow the Stopwatch Mafia thinks that WWE doesn't handle women's training. You know, okay, cool. <laughs> Tell yeah. me another lie. <laughs> Tell me another lie. And like I said, it doesn't look good tonight. It just doesn't. No. All right, let's move on because, like I said, we're not here to bash on shit. We're just here to point out what's going on. Mm. Next up was your co-main event, if you will. By the way, AEW, stop borrowing this from WWE. They kept saying double main event. There's no such thing, just like what I said about Night of Champions when they said triple main event. There's no such thing. One match goes on last. There's one main event. We need to stop this insanity. Borrow from UFC. You can call it the co-main event if you want because that's what UFC does, and that's fine or semi-main or whatever the hell you want to call Mm -hmm. it. Special attraction, I don't care. But there's only one main event, so I'm consistent in both companies. So the co-main event, if you will, was the four-way match for the AEW World Championship. Your champion, the devil himself, MJF, defending the title against Sammy Guevara, Darby Allin, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And before the match, we had the return of the cue cards as Ty uh, Ty Mello came out with her husband, Sammy. They had the cue cards up, and they announced what, Ken M? They're expecting a baby, so congratulations. congratulations. Yep. And uh, by the way, remember when everybody got all pissy about uh, Cody and Brandy uh, saying that on live TV? Yeah. Keep that same energy, folks. Mm-hmm. Not that I wish that upon anybody, but congratulations to them. Absolutely. Congrats. But uh, I just think it's funny that uh, you guys are all wondering why Brandy Rhodes takes little shots. Well, you guys were all up in their fucking business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You coming with the same energy? Coming with it? I don't know. I didn't see anything on the internet with that same energy yet. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there. But. For us at 607TWS, congratulations, Sammy and Ty. We are so happy that you are going to uh, add to your family. They're such a cute couple, and I think that they're a great couple. And I would like to go on the record as saying that uh, we look forward to it. And uh, because you know what? Whether it's a boy or a girl, I'm sure it's going to be one hell of a wrestler one day. Yeah. Because let's say the athletic genes are there, my friends. Uh, Because Sammy Guevara was amazing in this match. Yes. Uh, Let's talk about the match. 27 minutes, 50 seconds at the end of the day. And still... Your AEW World's Heavyweight Champion, MJF. Listen, man, this match was the easiest match of the night. Mm -hmm. Uh, This match should have been the main event. I'm going to say it. I'm sorry. I understand anarchy in the arena. And I get why it went last because it's a mess. However, this was the best match of the night. Leaps and bounds. This is the only match of the night, ladies and gentlemen. And I mean this with my whole heart. And you can say what you want. This is the only match this night. The night that we paid $50, Ken, that I went, oh, this is a pay-per-view quality match. (laughs) I agree with you. No, this was hands down the best match of the card, of the night. I mean, I haven't seen NXT yet, but I'm going to say right now, what all four of these individuals did was raise their stock up, stole the show. Sammy Guevara had the best match he's had in AEW, period. The same can be said by Darby Allen too. But 
MJF orchestrated this whole thing. I love the moments where he slowed things down that you can really see the growth in his knowledge because there's a spot in here involving him grabbing the microphone and telling Sammy, lay down. You have a kid on the way. You're going to need money. You're going to need the money. <laughs> yeah, and, and Sammy does it, and they try going for a roll. Like, little things like that. I mean, at one point, Juncture, they do the trading of forearms when they're slightly, you know, they cut through this big, like, high spots where the guys were doing all dives out of the ring, of course, except for MGF, and they slow it back down with the the famous circular arm shot. Yeah. And I thought that was good because the crowd's into it, but it still lets those guys catch their breath. Yes. And so they, they pace the match beautifully because they would hit you with a bunch of fast offense, and then they would slow it down, and then they would hit you with some more fast offense, and then they would slow it down. But the slowdown parts weren't like, oh, man, they're not doing anything they were actually cool things like at one point juncture they all lock each other in a submission hold Mm -hmm. so the four of them are on the ground crowds going this is one of the times the crowd was alive this whole match and in the crowd's going nuts for it even though technically they're giving themselves some air and a breather because they just got done doing big spots right i love the story where it was three on one as first at points and then of course the guys are like hey i need to win the belts they told so many great stories in this match at one point in this match jungle boy jack perry ends up with the AEW world title in his hands and he can crack darby allen in the back of the head with this belt and win the belt because there's nobody around all he has to do is do what what MJF had told him before. Hey, you're probably the best wrestler out of everybody here. However, you just don't have the killer instinct. Mm-hmm. You should take it. When you see it, take it. That's the only way you're going to be champion, Jack. And guess what? He throws the belt down. He doesn't win the title. That's his mistake. That right. was his mistake. Two times in this match, two times, Darby Allen could have gone for a pin and won the match. But instead, the way he wanted to do something cost him the match. And remember, the whole story was, they let this place is the place that lets me do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So he hits this beautiful fucking scorpion death drop. Should have been the end on Guevara. But he chooses instead to climb the rope to go for the coffin drop because that's how he wanted to end it. Right. And gets caught by MJF. Later on, later on, he hits uh, MJF uh, with a big move followed by the coffin drop. He nails it. But picks MJF up, MJF up, so he can give him the headlock takeover that he promised he was going to win with, mm-hmm. and that's what cost him the belt. Yeah, because he probably could have won if he would have just pinned. And so I love that story. I'm like, holy shit, we're we're literally making stories here. Yeah, and Sammy Guevara did an amazing job. Sammy Guevara didn't come up short because, and this is what I think I love most about the story. Sammy Guevara, I think is going to go on to have another shot at this belt. Maybe not right away, but in the not too distant future, because Sammy Guevara technically did everything right in this match. He just kept getting shit bagged out of the match. And so it wasn't on him that he didn't win. So he's got the argument that, Hey, out of all these guys, you didn't beat me. Mm -hmm. You didn't beat me. Uh, The end of this match was brilliant. I love the fact that, uh, so at the end, you have this little exchange after the Jungle Boy not hitting him, Darby with the bell. Darbs gets him down, climbs the rope to go for the coffin drop. Of course, his back is to him, and MJF slides in the ring, grabs the triple B, throws it on top of on top of Jungle Boy. Yeah. So when uh, Darby comes down on the coffin drop, he lands on the belt, which instantly, of course, is painful. Yes. And it also takes out jack perry and then what does uh mjf do to win the game headlock takeover pin on darby perfect one two three still your champion he's better than you and you know it and i just dug the storytelling this match honestly we had said a lot about the the stuff because obviously the, the the promos weren't the best these guys aren't good talkers with the exception of mjf but 
kudos to them putting on a story in the ring. I want to give that up to to all four gentlemen. Yes. I would say easily top five batch of the weekend, and that's all the cards. Mm -hmm. I might even say this is number two only behind uh, the bloodline. Yeah. Only behind Bloodline versus Sammy and KO. And the reason being is that's just a slightly better story. But the story they told in the ring tonight, it showed the flaws. So what are we going to get next? I'm excited to see it. And you know what? <laughs> Please prove me wrong for once, AEW. You set the table so nicely. Let's get the story. Let's get the story of Jack Perry going, you know what? I could have won. I should have won. Mm-hmm. All I had to do was this. Let's turn him heel. Right. Let's change the character. Because he should have won. Maybe have him go find himself or something. Mm. And when he comes back, more of a heavy edge, maybe even full-on heel. Yeah. Darby Allen, once again, my way might not work. Maybe have Sting pull him aside and say, listen, if you didn't take the time to do it your way and just took care of business, you're champion today. Mm-hmm. I want to see some stuff like that because I feel like coming out of this event, you set the table beautifully for them. And Sammy saying, hey, listen, I got screwed. <laughs> you know, every time it looked like I was going to win this match, somebody sandbagged me out. Yep. Like, I got screwed. I want a one-on-one match because one-on-one you can't beat me mm-hmm. because he had MJF dead to rights twice in this match. Yes. But somebody saved the pin, which, of course, happens in a multi-man match. Yeah. Loved it. Great storytelling. Absolutely. No, fantastic. Let's talk about the main event, shall we? Anarchy in the arena. 27 minutes long. At the end of the day, the Blackpool Combat Club, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta defeated the elite, the the elite, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, and Hangman Adam Page uh, via pinfall. And uh, Yuta pinned Kenny Omega, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. All right. This match was doomed with bad production. Why, oh Lord, when you can split screen... Because we saw you do it a couple times during the match briefly. Are we just skipping to different things and missing things? It was just convoluted. There's too much action. There was too much shit all over the place. And the camera guys and production people really dropped the ball in this match mm-hmm. more than anything I can tell you. That's my first biggest gripe about this match. This match, you know, it is what it was. It was a fucking brawl. It was either the blood. There were some cool spots. Don't get me wrong. Enjoyed all of that stuff. But the fact that they missed some spots and they were cutting and when they could have just done two screens, because they did it a couple times, but they only would do it for a few seconds and take it away. Like, why just leave it up like that? Because there's guys fighting all over the place. Hell, put three, put four, whatever. So we can see what's going on and then bring it back to the main screen when something big's happening. Yeah, what they should have done is just blocked it off into four and then have it focus on each member of the Young Bucks and then Kenny and then Paige. If they did that and gave each one of them their own block, that would have been so much easier to follow. And then gone full screen when something big was happening. Yeah. If they did that, it would have worked fine. Or when they're all close together, because there's obviously times where they're all close together. Sure. But just to space it out like they did, and they missed a lot. And for somebody watching at home that paid money for this, yeah, I was not happy with what I got. No, I agree with you. This, And it could have been way better because, I, you know, yes, this is a, a classic train wreck match, okay? Yeah. Like, you're not going to come out here and just catch as catch can. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Uncle Dave gets this five stars somehow. I don't know how. But I wouldn't be surprised because he does that shit randomly. I don't know how. But that's his opinions, and that's fine. That's why we don't rank on it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's not my opinion. I just think this match could have been handled in a production fashion better 
And then let's get to the parts. Like, there was some cool shit in this match. Yeah. Like, the exploding uh, Jordan. Yeah, that was That was wild. awesome. Moxley eats an exploding Jordan, although... Moxley, man, is Road Warrior Hawk all over the place. Yeah. He no-sells the shit out of things. He doesn't understand to stay down longer than he should. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You're John Moxley. I get it. But come on, man. You can't eat a fucking exploding Jordan and be back on your feet in two minutes. Yeah. Like, that's just not how this game works, brother. No. Everything- <laughs> I'm sorry. And I, that is my judgment on Moxley. You guys can have whatever you want. But, dude, there's mo- he ate a, back, a big backdrop onto a board covered in barbed wire and glass. Mm-hmm. And he was back up chasing down Kenny Omega and getting the better of him within a minute. Yeah. Like I don't get that doesn't it doesn't work that way. It never works that way. <laughs> like I'm sorry, like this is supposed to be an absolutely brutal match and when one person puts on a cheat code and doesn't sell anything, it takes away a lot. And for whatever reason Moxley was doing that during this match. And for the group that likes to bleed allegedly, only Moxley was bleeding, did you know yeah. that? Claudio, no blood, Yuta, no blood, Brian, no blood. All the elite members are busted open. I get it. They're tell you that tells a story, but Come on, guys. We're supposed to have the bloodiest conflict of all time. And yeah. You guys are the team that likes to bleed. Why ain't y'all bleeding? Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that, then it really made me wonder why we couldn't have the blood in the end spot of the, you know, because the, the logic might be, okay, we're not going to do blood in, in Cole and Jericho because we're going to do a bunch of it at the end of the night. Well, they didn't, really. It wasn't that bloody. Right. So why can't we have it where it made sense? When you weren't going balls to the wall in the main, I'm just saying. I'm not. It's not me bitching. I mean, I listen. The most brutal thing I did in this match: uh, thumbtacks on the ground after the exploding shoe. They take the shoe off. They take the sock off, and and Moxley gives uh, Matt Jackson a fucking atomic drop foot first into thumbtacks. Yeah, and I went. Oh, yeah, yeah. That looked. Brutal. It looked terrible. Yeah. It was, but it was good. It yeah, was, like it, terrible in a good way. You know what I mean? Like it was vicious. Mm-hmm. Like that's some deathmatch shit right there. So my only ombrance was, like I said, mostly the production from watching at home, and obviously watching in the arena couldn't have been much better because shit was everywhere. Right. Uh, but they please please tighten up on the fucking production so we could see more. Because that, that, that's really took away from this match, in my opinion. Somebody's listening, please. Or can we edit a better version and give us all a version of it since we paid $50? Mm-hmm. Because I think that it did a big disservice to this match. Yeah. My only other real bad takeaway was like Moxley no-selling like a motherfucker. Uh, Brian Brian Danielson disappeared at some point in this match. And yeah. Then, like, not take it out, just disappeared. He was like, yeah, I'm not going to take bumps for a while. I, I mean, I guess I'm fine with that. Yeah. And then plus uh, the band playing throughout the... Okay, the match. Yeah. First of all, the, the band comes out, and uh, did, what was the name? Did you catch it? Because Taz said I it. I thought it was like Fallen Angels or something. Something in, something something in that like variation. That. I don't know, whatever. It, it, because Taz said it real quickly. The lead singer looked like he was in blackface. Yeah. And I can't make that up. And I'm not doing it to shit on anybody. You, If you don't believe me, go check what SRS said about it. Go check what Brian Alvarez said about it. Everybody was like, I don't know if that's a good look. To be fair, the top part was a black mask. Yeah. And the bottom part was painted black. But it just... <laughs> it, it was not a good look. He does eat a double super kick. And I, you know what? I didn't care about the band playing during the first parts of the fight. Because it kind of reminded me of uh, Natural Born Killers playing while yeah. uh, New Jack was fighting. So I'll give him that. But yeah, I, I would have chose a better look. Yeah, it was definitely not a good so. look in my opinion. So uh, now going back to the match. So those were my only two big detractions for the match. The match was entertaining for the most part. And then we get to the end. And this is where it got convoluted. And I don't like it. 
because the convolution was not necessary. Mm. This is, okay, so we get to the end of the match. It looks like the elite is going to get the victory. Uh, you know, they fought back, you know, for the most part, uh, Blackpool Combat Club took it to them. Obviously, this is their kind of match, but the elite, like good baby faces, fight back. You know, Hangman, you know, at one point we have Hangman and Omega outnumbered and they go fucking ape shit. Mm-hmm. And I was here for that. I loved it. And Don Collis, the whole tight, is at ringside at the commentating position. So here at the end, he leaves commentating, goes around the ring. Just as it looks like Wheeler Ute is going to get hit with the one-winged angel, in comes uh, Don Collis, and it looks like he's going to... Well, first of all, he had passed a screwdriver originally to uh, Wheeler Wheeler before this, and he didn't connect. He gets the one-winged angel. He's up for it. He comes in, and Kenny knows he's there. Kenny drops Yuta, turns around, and is just like, you. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting ready. He's got... Don Callis. We're about to see Don Callis finally get his. And all of a sudden, the masked man hits a running knee on Kenny Omega. The masked man turns out to be Takeshita. Yeah. Who is there with Don Callis. Because reasons. So now, Wheeler Yuta uses, after Omega gets back to his knees, he uses the screwdriver, and that's how he gets the one, two, three. He puts him in a unique pin, so that way, you know, he can't kick out. I get it. Whatever. But it's because of Takeshita and Callus, who are now a thing. Now, you would just think that Callus and Takesta are part of the Blackpool Combat Club. However, that's not what we get because the Blackpool Combat Club doesn't do anything. They just shake their heads to them. But then the Blackpool Combat Club will raise all their hands and then they'll put them down. And then Don Callus and Takesta, he'll raise Takesta's hands and, t- and point to Takesta. Yeah. It was weird. And they're like, oh, uh, so the commentators somehow get word. I don't know how they get word because reasons because Don Collis is in the ring that oh Don Collis and Takesha they're going to tell us all about it on Wednesday on Dynamite well how did you get that word they're in the fucking ring mm-hmm. anyways I digress uh, we did forget one thing that we were wanted to bring back and mention during the four way match which yes. is the best match of the evening all of a sudden well what was the move that happened oh Right after MJF gives the blonde bombshell, for those of you who don't know, that's a top rope power bomb made famous by Chris Candido. Uh, it's been called other names, but I, me and Taz, and Taz, I love Taz on uh, commentating saying this, it will always be the blonde bombshell. Yes. He gives it from the top rope onto, I think Darbs took it, right? Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure it was Darbs. He hits him with the, the blonde bombshell, and he sells the wrist injury. I don't really think he injured his wrist. At first, we were like, oh, shit, maybe he injured his wrist. I think he was just selling it so he didn't go for the pin because I don't think that was the finish. Right. But it looked cool. So meanwhile, while we're doing this, and at this point, Sammy Guevara is going in to try to get Darby for a finish. All of a sudden, commentating stops talking about the match. They go, okay, just this word just in from Tony Khan. Wednesday is official. Wednesday, we're going to have Soraya and Jericho versus Britt Baker and Adam Cole. And they put a graphic on the screen during their championship match. Yeah. And I went, are you fucking kidding me? Like, during the championship match? The one match of the night that I've been actually into, we're going to treat this like a fucking afterthought? Yeah. The whole setup for that moment was just like, Why? I'm sorry, your fans are not tuning in to a pay-per-view to find out what kind of matches are going to be on fucking Dynamite. Excuse my language. But I'm just sitting there going like, you got to be kidding me. Why are we sitting here trying to pump up the Wednesday night show when you should be focusing on the matches at hand? 
the people in the states specifically paid fifty dollars for, and other places paid twenty or thirty because I can't remember what it is elsewhere. But I know it's in the states. It's fifty dollars. Yeah, I understand some people stole it. I get it. You're those people chiming. Well, I didn't pay anything for it. Okay, that's cool that you stole it. You support all elite wrestling by stealing their pay per views. That's fine and cool. For those of us who did, we have to. There's grievances. Yeah. Okay. Don't ruin the best match of the night with a graphic and cutting into it. Do it after the match. In between matches, you have time. Yeah. I don't understand why it had to be done during the match. That kind of irritated me. In the main event, you know, you have this convoluted finish to what was a crazy train wreck match, but you're supposed to be a crazy train wreck match. Your production shit the big one on it, mm-hmm. but the wrestlers didn't. I was entertained. There were some cool spots in this match, but yeah. but the convoluted ending, I'm like, why? What the fuck is going on? And I know we're going to get answers. And then after the show goes off the air, we find out from Brian Alvarez that Kenny Omega, you know, cuts the go home promo, which he normally does. And he goes, uh, you know, I got a couple friends that aren't in AEW that I'm going to call for backup. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something to that extent. So, you know, that wasn't on the main feed. That was just for the house. So we don't know. I'm assuming. I mean, Ken M said, you know, I know you said something about maybe blood and guts. I said, well, I don't think they're going to do that at Forbidden Door. I'm assuming that he's going to pull two people from New Japan to take on Takeshita and maybe two members of BCC at in a six-man at the uh, pay-per-view. Maybe we get Tanahashi, Okada, and Omega. Mm. How great would that be against uh, Takeshita and maybe Danielson and Mox or whoever? Yeah. That might be awesome, my opinion. Especially because the Black... Or maybe we'll... Oh, maybe we'll get Moxley... Uh, Shuda and uh, Claudio, who are going after the the, the six man titles mm. that are currently held by Tanahashi, Okada, and Goto. Yeah, maybe they win those belts, and then the rematch for those belts is those three against Tanahashi, Okada, and Omega. How great would that be? That'd be amazing. So there's there's a lot of ways you can go with this, but it's still just confusing at the top. And I'm not mad about that part because it's cool to tease something for Forbidden Door. And I think they should have done more work for Forbidden Door tonight, and they didn't. Forbidden Door is less than a month away. We got to do some work, you know. Yeah. I, I just there, those are the things that drive me nuts. At the end of the day, overall, I thought that the four way the pillars match, given its flowers. I was nervous because of the setup and I didn't like necessarily the storytelling because I thought they convoluted it with guys who couldn't tell the story verbally. They got a little better on the go home show, except for Darby. And then they went out there though and did what I thought they would do and have a great match. And it was actually above my, you know, I, I was above any expectation I had for a match. Mm-hmm. Like I said, probably my second favorite match of the entire weekend. And that includes Impact, that includes GCW, that includes Night of Champions. The only match I think I, the only match I put above it, honestly, is uh, Roman and Solo versus KO and Sammy. Yeah. Because that is cinema. But this match was equally a cinema because they told an amazing story out there. Giving them credit where credit's due for those people who don't think I do that. Uh, but <sighs> literally $50, 10 matches, 11 if you count. Uh, the 48 seconds defeat return of Chris Statlander. Mm. I thought Chris Statlander coming back was great. Winning, I had no problem with the 48 seconds. A little problem with. Give it a couple minutes. <laughs> you know, 60 and 0 and she loses in 48 seconds. And yeah. like I said, I, I hear the argument. They, she fought a nine-minute match. Well, you're telling me she's done? Come on. She only ate one finish from fucking Statlander. Yeah. Uh, 60 and 0. So now 60 and 1. So, uh, you know, I, but I still like that surprise. But that was the only surprise we got all night. Yeah, there wasn't anything too shocking about this card. I mean, the main event ending 
was a little bit surprising, but it was also confusing at the same time because you're obviously setting up for something, but we don't know yet. It is what it is. I don't think it should have main evented, but that's just me. In fact, I think they probably should have let off the show, get get the crowd all types of fired up, but that's just me. The best match of the night, hands down, was the was the co-main, if you will, and that was for the world title. I thought all four of those individuals really raised their stock up and told a fantastic story. And Statlander winning was the other highlight. Anything else, honest to God, was forgettable. Well, anything else, and this is what I'm going to say. And At the end of the day, we don't grade things, as you know. We just give our opinions. But I'm going to say this. $50 and I got a dynamite. Yeah. A decent dynamite. Like, if you took everything, with the exception of the four-way match mm-hmm. and the main event, even. Because I'll say the main event, even though it had a convoluted ending and the production fucking sucked on it, which has nothing to do on the performers. Right. I will say that those two matches are the only two matches that felt like a pay-per-view quality match. Mm -hmm. The other eight, nine matches, depending upon if you want to count one as a match or not, the other eight, nine matches did not feel necessarily like a pay-per-view quality match. They felt like a dynamite match. Like, they would have put together a great dynamite. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, for $50... You gotta, you Why? gotta do a little more for me. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. You can't underdeliver when there's that when you're paying fifty dollars, man. And I understand maybe some of you don't agree, but I don't know. That's just my feelings. I don't feel like they did enough on this pay per view to go have me go, man. That fifty dollars was well spent because out of eleven, we'll call them eleven matches. Mm-hmm. Two, two were pay per view quality. Yeah, with one cool surprise as a title change everything else you could have saw on dynamite and you've been like oh that's really good dynamite because it would have been free on television Mm -hmm. (laughs) no that's that's the bottom line no that's it's the bottom line when you say pay-per-view you got to deliver a pay-per-view event every match should have a big fight feel every match should have a great story involved that i'm so invested i'm paying money to see this finish this card did not have it and the surprise of the night was the Pillars match. And I can't stress that enough because we went in with such a low bar and it completely exceeded everything else on there. So for the next time it comes around pay-per-view, in my opinion, I mean, AEW still got some work to do because this definitely did not feel like a pay-per-view. And especially paying the $50 for it left me with a kind of a weird taste in my mouth. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said, I, I, I know, Ken, you like to put up your uh, polls all the time. Uh, an A for the show is winning out right now at 32%, followed by a B at 27%, followed by D or lower at 23%, followed by a C at 18%. Honestly, I can't understand why out of, you know, already 32% is at an A. I, it, if you think this is an A show, I, that's a problem. Yeah. And I get it. You know what it is? And like we said before. And, and once again, wear your, wear your flag and that's fine. It's because people are, that's their home team mm-hmm. and they're rooting for it. And, and that's what you get. The internet is, it's the internet darling company and that's fine guys. But you really watch this show and go, man, this is an A show. Yeah. And those same people would probably tell you that night of champions wasn't that good. And you're just like, guys, guys, from the standpoint of somebody who calls shit right down the middle, mm. I can't, there wasn't a bad match on Night of Champions. For that matter, there wasn't a bad match on Impact's Under Siege. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we love just WWE. It's not that we're just going hard for WWE, brother. No, 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 no. Impact had a better pay-per-view too. I'm going to say it right now. I haven't seen NXT, so I can't say it. But uh, the out of the, uh, and I'll even throw GCW in here. Out of GCW, Impact, and Night of Champions, AEW was the least favorite of my experience this weekend agreed 
And I haven't seen NXT yet, so I can't speak on it. But if that is true, that means it came in last. And and listen, this is not because I hate AEW. It's just because at $50, I can't understand how you're like, oh man, what I saw was fucking amazing. And if somebody could explain what they th- what they thought was amazing about the card, please, please let us know. Mm-hmm. But we just ran down that hard co- whole card, hour and 20 minutes in, it's 1.40 in the morning, Yeah. and I don't think that we missed anything, Ken. No. So, I mean, like, once again, we've said this a million times, like what you like, that's fine. I just think it's a weird fucking world we live in where I hear people, you know, once again, the internet's more on the side. I know all you guys like to say that you're getting fired on by WWE, but let's be honest. There's more AEW fans online and it's a smaller vacuum. That's why ticket sales are down and everything else. Also, probably why the buy rates for this pay-per-view will be down because a lot of you are probably going, well, the reason I loved it so much is I didn't pay $50 for it. Yeah. <laughs> and if that if you feel that if that hurts your feelings that means it was you mm-hmm. because you didn't pay yeah. for it i want to hear from the paying customers if you want to throw us a message on another either one and say hey man i paid 50 bucks for it i thought it was a name it was a banger blah 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 and this is why respectfully i'm not going to disrespect anybody that's cool mm-hmm. come from the heart come from the hip if it's because it's your favorite team just admit that yeah just be like oh man no matter what they do it's great okay I get it. But that means you shouldn't be out here putting your opinions to, to wax. If exactly. You because calling it right down the middle means if WWE fucking... And listen, for those of people who don't like whatever, and I do, I want to end on this, there was years of me and you just shitting all over WWE. Mm-hmm. Years. Go back in the archives. Yep. This is episode, I do believe, 183, I don't know. Sounds I, about right. Something like this, the part two of that episode. Let me pull it up right now, because I got it right here. This is episode, hopefully this doesn't start playing, because then you're going to hear my voice. Yep, it's part two of 183. So 183 episodes, technically 184 if you count the part twos. And now, so there's also some bonus ones, but 183 numbered ones. Yeah. Parts two of that. If you go back... Before the Triple H takeover, which wasn't until August of last year, when things really did pick up for WWE, there's a few pay-per-views and shows where we're like, okay, that's good. But there was a lot more where we just shit all over it because it wasn't good. And at the same time, I can't pretend that one thing is better than the other just because I don't like it. And it has nothing to do. WWE United Champions was a great show. If you can't admit that, that's fine for whatever reason. I'd like to hear valid reasons why it wasn't a great show. Mm-hmm. Valid. Yeah. Like, not because of your heart. If it's because of your heart and preference, that's fine. And But that means don't watch that shit. Yeah, exactly. If, if you can't cut it down the middle, that's fine. But keep your opinions to yourself. Because if otherwise, you can't have those valid arguments with fans. Yeah, it's just an interesting take on the internet now. Did everybody, you know, you bitch about one thing and it comes back. And that's why I pointed out the one thing that was kind of funny. You said this about this show. Eh, what's your response over here? Yeah. The left hand and the right hand, baby. I'm just saying. That's why we call it right down the middle. So thank you guys for enjoying us calling it right down the middle. Once again, like I said, there were some good takeaways for me, AEW Double or Nothing. I think we put it over as much as we could. But for the most part, for $50, I really do think it was a glorified dynamite, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. uh, with the exception of that four-way match, which was phenomenal. Told a beautiful story. Great match. And uh, like I said, I can't hold it against the guys that the production company sucks. Yeah. Guys do better in production because you're making the guys look like shit. And during the two things that were kind of a cluster, being the Battle Royal and the Anarchy in the Arena, boy, those camera cuts were atrocious. And once again, if you talk shit about WWE's camera cuts, look in the mirror. Yeah. Because that's fucking bad. That's all I'm saying. With that, though, 
Ken M, tell the fine folks one more time how to send their hate mail and everything else to you in the ODPH. Keep it short, keep it sweet, ODPHpodcast.com. And of course, my 3FNpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to this. Once again, love watching wrestling. It's been a long wrestling weekend. No matter how I cut it, I've had a great weekend watching all sorts of wrestling. Like I hope I do every weekend. Next week is another Christmas in July moment, even though it's not July, because we get the TOS weekend over at Game Changer Wrestling and so much more. But until we see, well, until we talk to you folks next week, week take care of yourself take care of each other and most importantly later wrestling fans if you take my Rainmaker, my heart so damn hard I can know